into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, Scottish Cup quarter-finalists 2022. That's all we have to say this week, isn't it, Mark Donaldson? It is, and having already beaten Auchinleck Talbot and now having St Mirren uh, to come, I believe both of those two teams provided the opposition in the run-up to our cup win in 2012. I say I believe because I'm sure that uh, our other guest host, and you normally introduce him, but I want to get to him quickly today because he's got a game tomorrow and he needs to get to his bed quickly, <laughs> even though he's probably not playing. Uh, like Talbot and uh, and St Mirren in the run-up to the 2012 Cup success. Ryan McGowan, remember it? Yes, very, very well, actually. Um, St Mirren went for a replay. <laughs> Correct. It's one of the few games I do remember playing in after those quizzes, but yes, it <laughs> seems to be a interesting way that things are going, isn't it? 10-year anniversary and two teams from that cup draw. Hopefully it's a good omen. Hopefully it is. Um, and I am being uh, facetious. We will, of course, talk about more than just the fact that Hearts are in the Scottish Cup quarter finals. There is more to it since we were last on games against Dundee in the league and Livingston, of course, in the cup. So we'll we'll dissect those games, have a wee chat about well, I was gonna say what went right and what went wrong. A lot went wrong, but we will find some things that went right as well. Uh, we will look ahead in the cup and to the St Johnston match coming this weekend as well. Right, so last time at the end of the previous podcast, we were all confident of hearts bouncing back in style after that woeful display at Ibrox. I think I might have even thrown a 4-0 prediction out there just to be extra confident. <laughs> before we played bottom of the table, Dundee, who came to Tynecastle on a nine-game winless streak in the league, uh, having lost seven and drawn two games nil-nil in that run. Uh, from the side that lost 5-0 at Ibrox, uh, Nathaniel Atkinson, Cammy Devlin, Alex Cochran and Aaron McInef all dropped out and in came John Souter with... Taylor Moore moving to right wing back from centre back. Uh, Peter Haring, Andy Halliday, and Ellis Sims and Hart started with Gordon and Goals, Suter Simic, Kingsley, back three. Moore and Halliday the right and left sides with Haring and Beningami in the centre. Barry Mackay and Liam Boyce supporting Ellis Sims. Would you say it was a Pretty strong starting lineup, Mark. When you when you saw who we were putting out, I think it's a starting lineup that we kind of agreed upon uh, prior to that game. Is it me, or does it feel like that game was forever ago? The Dundee game. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it was it was just over I'm, a week ago. We're recording Thursday evening. It was last. I, I, I know. I know. Week, so it was, I know. I glad. mean, if you've forgotten, we can just <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> It just, it just, it just seems like it was forever ago. And 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 if a win over Hearts gets you Mark McGee, God help us from a Dun- <laughs> yeah. from a Dundee perspective. I mean, no, but I, I think it's the team. I think it's the team that, that we suggested it was either going to be Cochrane or Halliday at left back. It would be the same three at the back. He might have gone to four. And now that we've start, we've had a couple of games, and we'll speak about the, the Livingston Cup tie. Um, coming up, but now that we've had those games, and I know we've had a week to prepare, I am just wondering if that back three against teams that we should be favoured against will become a back four going forward. I mean, possibly. Uh, I mean, what I'd say about the game is Hearts 
had a I thought a decent first half. They were in control of the game. They weren't, you know, battering the door down, but it was a Dundee side who were sitting fairly deep, couldn't really get much possession. Um started on the I would say the front foot hearts and probably deservedly went in front midway through the first period. Barry Mackay, who was excellent in that first half, a nice exchange of passes with Benny Beningame, Ellis Sims getting in and scoring. Poor goalkeeping, it has to be said, by Ian Lawler, who was in for Dundee for his league debut, albeit he would certainly make up for that on the whole in the match. Mackay was unlucky not to make it too. Death little lob, which was stopped on the line by Ryan Sweeney. Um, Ryan, in that first half, and when you get to the break, you've got to be fairly content if you're if you're Robbie Nielsen, uh, Hearts dominating possession, not let's say creating a plethora of clear chances, but they get the lead. <laughs> you probably feel that Hearts are in exactly the position you want at that point. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Robbie would have been pretty happy at half time, but at the same time, I think he would have been reiterating how strongly the next goal would have been so important because if Hearts went and scored the next one. I think it could have been a 3-4 or 5-0. But letting Dundee, they just started getting into the game more and more. And you could, as you were watching it, you could see Dundee just getting more and more confidence. And um, I think the biggest thing for me is sometimes, obviously, when I'm watching games is I, I watch the defence and I just felt that um, Mullins, I think it is, for, for Dundee, just gave him a real outball yeah. um, and just really caused Hearts' back three issues in terms of it didn't seem like anyone knew who was picking him up he was getting into areas and able to turn he was winning free kicks he was he just sort of got Dundee up the pitch which they didn't particularly have in the first half and um, yeah I think he would be bitterly disappointed in, in the way that the the sort of back three handled him and, and obviously the end result. Yeah I mean Dundee fairly early in the second half get the leveller, a fair bit of luck about it albeit it was a good move down the right. Danny Mullen, who Ryan mentions, cut it back. Um, he was excellent in that second half, Danny Mullen. And Toby Civic's a bit unlucky. He tries to block the cross and it kind of hits off his chest and kind of spins up off the underside of the bar and into the back of the net. So a bit of fortune about the goal. But mm-hmm. from that point in, Dundee really grew in confidence and hearts went the other direction. And Mark, it was uh, certainly within about 50 minutes of the goal. I know Hearts made a change when Halliday went off and they switched to back four. It was a 4-2-3-1, kind of 4-4-2 almost at times. Haring and, and Benny Beningame sitting in the centre. Mackay left, Janelli right who'd come on. Boyce sort of in behind Sims and they moved um, Taylor Moore into the right back position. Now, is this a case of, <laughs> we've often spoken about Robbie Nielsen or the fans' frustration, Robbie Nielsen not changing things or not reacting. In some ways, was that reacting too early to to what had happened? You know, they'd been the better side up until Dundee had levelled, mm. um, and he kind of threw out the three four three almost at that point. Went to the back four, and if anything, Dundee just grew more and more into the game. Really good teams when they have a period of possession and plenty chances and attempts put their opposition away. We're not there. I'm saying we're not there. We are not there yet or we're not there. But we're we're not a really good team right now. We, we should have been three or four up. And you, you put a team three, four, five behind. They, they ain't coming back. We gave Dundee an opportunity. Now, the one thing about this game... And the longer I watched it, up until they got the equaliser, I'm thinking, there's another chance. There's another chance. This is just like the game back in October. We had loads mm. of chances. I, I, I'm trying to compare and contrast first half performances. I think we might even have been a bit better in the first half um, against Dundee recently than we were prior to it. But we had chances in both games to go two, three, four up. We didn't take it. And there was a few things I, I want to kind of talk about with you too. I think when you sign for Hearts, and a lot of people say, oh, I didn't expect it to be this intense or whatever, or Tynecastle's great. Tynecastle is great at times, but you've got to know how to handle it when it's not great and when the fans are having a go. And one thing I have noticed over the last couple of weeks, especially the, the Dundee and the Livingston games, is that fans demand that ball forward quicker. And I'm sure Robbie does as well. And the size and the huffs. and It's like sitting beside my dad watching the football on the TV. 
oh Jesus Christ! But I'm sure I'm sure that's what he would have been like when it consistently went back. Now there's a reason it went back because there weren't too many options forward. You've got to have bravery. You've got to come and show. You've got to have an option. If you're Taylor Moore, Taylor Moore's realizing now he's seen the good parts of, of life at Tyne Castle. Now he's experiencing, oh shit, I didn't really like that. And I don't know if he can handle it or not. We'll, we'll soon find out. But I think what we've seen is he's a squad player at best now, Taylor Moore. So I think you learn stuff in ad- adversity. But it's the old, how many of their players we get into our player? Well, into our team. Well, if their players are prepared to work hard and ours aren't, and ours are maybe frightened on the ball, then they, they, I'm not saying they deserve to win, but they should have been out of sight. They shouldn't have had a chance to come back in that game. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So the second Dundee goal, when they come forward, Charlie Adam plays it out to the right. Dundee come up forward in the counter to Niall McGinn. And there's this massive gap suddenly opens up on that side. So we've moved to a back four at that point. Kingsley is meant to be left back at that point, but he's very high up the pitch, almost like a left wing back. So Toby Civic then has to go out to meet McGinn, which makes this giant gap in the centre. So obviously Suter's then the remaining, almost remaining centre-back, and when the ball comes inside, Suter does make a decent challenge on Max Anderson, but it, it leaves a huge bit of space in the box. Niall again puts a nice quick cross in from the loose ball, uh, and it's a bit of frustration here. I know you mentioned Taylor Moore. He loses Danny Mullen, who, who does well to divert it in for what would be the winning goal. One of the frustrations here for me is Taylor Moore looks over his shoulder at Danny Mullen about you know, a couple of seconds before he makes that run for the cross, but stays static. And Mullen then makes a run across him and gets in front and scores. Ryan, you're, you're a defender. You've played fullback. You've played centre-back. I know you've played in back threes. You've played back fours. And you've played in teams that have alternated between a three and a four. How much do you think looking at that is a lack of cohesion with Hearts? changing systems and changing personnel back there. I still feel there's a lot of impact here from Craig Halkett not being in there. It kind of strikes me as we're not as well organised as we were at the back. And there's players who are moving between centre-back and full-back and kind of wing-back and full-back. And the positioning just doesn't seem quite right at times. Yeah. And also, I have a little bit of sympathy for for more because very rarely in that situation are you one-on-one in the box. So normally in an ideal situation, if you have that back four, you'll have Suda almost covering that front post area mm. where Mullins gets in front of him. And then you're able just to deal with the if the ball goes over the top. And like you said, I think he's checking to see where Mullins is, but also checking to see what's happening with the ball. And oh, it's, it's one of the, it's a perfectly timed run from a Dundee point of view. And it's a, defendable goal from a heart side because you do want to cover the front post but if he goes too early and they clip it to the back post you're then saying to him well he's caught under the ball and he's given Mullins a free header so yeah it's one of those ones where he it definitely looks like it's his fault but from a defensive point of view like we said you can go back three or four movements before and see how disjointed hearts were and I sometimes think that's a big issue with Hearts is when, when you are playing against those teams and I touched on it earlier and you are keeping them in, the most important thing is that you don't allow them to get out your half. So your defenders need to be so switched on when Hearts have the ball. They need to make sure that no one's getting the ball and able to turn. No one's able to win free kicks and just keep that pressure going. And that's where I felt in the second half Dundee got to grips with it more because they were they had that little release valve of winning a free kick and being able to move 30 yards up the pitch or winning a throw in high up the pitch and yeah like you said I think Halkett is a big miss in terms of you know controlling that that back four and, and making sure that everyone is on their toes and, and in the positions that they should have been from uh obviously that would be the winning goal uh, one of the one of the saving graces about that midweek fixture card was that yet again other teams didn't capitalise on Hearts. Aberdeen lost, Hibs lost, Motherwell lost. It actually meant that Dundee United, on a run, on a run of two wins in 12, mm. would move into, into fourth place, which maybe in some ways sums up how the how the league has been going this season. Uh, we've got a couple of email, emails this week. I'm, I'll get to one after we've spoken about the Livy game, but I'll, I'll go to one just now. 
um, which is we've had it's it's a it's a good contrast actually. So this I'll go with the first email, which is a slightly more negative view, which is which is absolutely fine. There's plenty of of negatives to be to be looked at, and I understand it. So I'm just going to go through this. So this says, um, gents, I emailed back in August following Hearts League Cup defeat at Celtic Park. At that time, I was frustrated with Robbie Nielsen because I felt he was holding back a talented squad of players. Six months later, and sadly, nothing has changed. Clearly, Robbie is an inherently conservative manager who is scared to take the handbrake off. The way he sets out his team makes Craig Levine look adventurous. As a result, watching Hearts lately has been highly frustrating and frankly boring. If I was an attacking player, I would not be joining Hearts at the moment. At best, Robbie fields three attack-minded players in his team, but often only two. And in the last two games, he's picked teams completely devoid of pace. Further, he has drained the confidence from GMS, Woodburn, Janelli, McInef, Boyce, and now Mackay, such that they look a pale shadow of their former selves. Robbie is understandably not going to be removed as manager, and I'm not necessarily calling for him to go, as our league position is commendable and the club is on a solid footing. But his inherent negativity as a manager has sapped my enthusiasm to the extent that I have lost interest in watching the games. Can you give me any hope that Robbie might change his ways or be persuaded by those around him such that he might actually pick some attacking players and give them the freedom to play. P.S. Slight change of subject, but Robbie clearly has no interest in bringing through young players from the academy, despite what he may say. Is it even worthwhile having an academy at this stage? All it seems to be is a conveyor belt of players for the lower leagues. Would the money be better spent elsewhere? And that is from Malcolm. Mark, a lot in there. Mm from Malcolm. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one to you. Fine. Thank you, Malcolm. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't hear uh, you read out an email from Malcolm earlier in the season um, when we were doing really well and when we were um, challenging and on a decent run of form and 11 games unbeaten in the league before we Maybe we in my Dundee folder, which is what oh. I call the spam folder now. There, there you go. I, I, the, what we have to, to, to stress here is that football is it's all about opinions. And without opinions, it would be a hell of a boring place. And to, to be honest, there's a lot in there I can't really disagree with. And to but, be fair, that probably sums up the feeling of quite a lot. It, it, it probably does. As well. Okay, but, but this is a be careful what you wish for. So... If it was status quo, Hearts played the same, and is it the most entertaining to watch? Well, that's beauties in the eye of the beholder. I think the answer is no. However, if it was status quo for the next five years, okay, Robbie stayed in charge. We played the same type of football that Malcolm and many others, I'm sure, think, but we were guaranteed third place every year and European football every year. Not that we're guaranteed it this year. But would you take that right now or would you press the gamble button? This is like being in a casino and you're playing, um, what you used to call it, pontoon, whatever it is, blackjack, and you're on 16. It's good enough, perhaps, to win the hand, but do you stick or twist? Maybe 15 or 16. 15, you're probably going to ask for another card, right? What, what Hearts have to do right now is finish ahead of every team above Celtic and Rangers. Uh, sorry, every team except Celtic and Rangers. So would you settle? And I think it's a good question for the two of you. Would you settle for status quo with all the gripes and moans and depending on mind where we've come from, but a home defeat to Dundee, which was unacceptable, but know that it's good enough to finish third, say over the next four or five years, and nothing really changed, would you take that or would you ask for another card? Would you push the gamble button knowing it might get better, but knowing it could easily get worse? I wouldn't gamble this time because last time around, when we'd obviously we'd won the championship comfortably, we'd finished third, we were sitting pretty decent. I know everyone says we were, we were sitting second. I think we'd played a few more games but we were in a good position for top three at that point when Robbie left I wasn't a anti-Robbie Nielsen kind of guy there but I did feel like things were maybe getting a bit stale and it was a good time to maybe take the next step so to speak Robbie moves on 
someone comes in and maybe tries to take us to the next level. He'd given us a solid footing. Um, he'd done a good job on the whole, but I kind of felt like we needed something else, fresh, you know, some fresh perspective. It obviously didn't work. You know, the Ian Cathro uh, era was a disaster, and I was pretty happy with the appointment. I think lots of Hearts fans were. I thought it was quite forward thinking. <laughs> Craig Levine steadied the ship a little bit, but largely it was steadying the ship. And then eventually, when we went backwards, obviously, and we couldn't, we couldn't change things. We didn't change things quick enough when we we were sinking. This time around, I would certainly, I would probably prefer a bit of patience if we are like you say if we're kind of status quo but i think what i think what would be good is like so if if we finish third which we should but it's not a done deal it's not a done deal you know it does it can quickly change if we don't you know sort out this run of form if we can finish third qualify for europe you know robin nielsen can't you know, he can't lose his job based on that. There's got to be bigger picture, Laurie. It's where we were compared to where we are right now. We're nowhere is. near where we want to be. No, but that's but why... This we, is, I mean, so next, season's, next season is his, at the moment, the last year of his contract. So if we yeah. if we finished third and won the cup, I'd be thinking, give him a new deal. You've got to... If we kind of hobble over third place and, you know, say we get, we get beat by St Mirren in the, the quarterfinals. I would probably say, you know, my view would be, right, he obviously doesn't lose his job, but, you know, if you're Joe Savage, you're maybe looking at going, look, you know, there was a lot of good about last season, but style of play at times maybe wasn't the best. We got what we needed to in the league, but we need to show improvements in these areas. We need to do, you know, you have to do better in the Cups. We want to at least come close and we want to finish third, but also improve it. And obviously if the end of season you know, next season, we're maybe still in a decent position in the league, but it's not really been any change. Then I might think, you know what, actually, maybe it's worth at least looking at what else is out there. But I know, you, I know what you're saying, it's careful what you wish for. And um, I'll, be into, I'll, I'll pass it to Ryan, actually, to see what his thoughts are on it in terms of, of kind of bigger picture and, and Robbie's future. Yeah, I, th- I think this season, you... <laughs> You're gonna um, well. You'd like to think we'd be able to beat Saint Mirren at home to progress into the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. And at the end of the season, if you finish third, semi-finals of a Scottish Cup, most Hearts fans would take that. With all of that into consideration, you also need to be playing a style of play at a club such as Hearts that actually gets people wanting to come to the games. Hearts is one of those clubs that is results driven of course but also you need to be playing a style of play that the fans enjoy or they can like that one bad result can quickly change things and um i I would be sticking with robbie this season hoping he gets wins a cup and finishes third like you said if that happens then i think it's fair that robbie gets another contract and gets some extra money to spend the sort of carrot above the head of, of European football, but next season if it's similar to to this season, then I think there will be a lot of questions being asked if, if the performances haven't got better, the style of play hasn't got better and, and the the fans can't see, you know, not so much a style of play but uh, an eagerness to, to win games in a good manner. I think that's probably what's bothering a mm-hmm. lot of Hearts fans is that, yeah, we're winning games and we're playing relatively well for 45 minutes or for 60 minutes, but there's a big difference between or a big drop off. And I think that's what's catching a lot of, a lot of hearts fans out is that, you know, you can put a good 45 minutes in or a good last 30 minutes, but very rarely this season have we had a full 90 minutes where we've come away and went, wow, what about that at the weekend? Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of other clubs, they've probably had that 90 minutes throughout the season and, and then the fans can cling on to that. They have something to be like, well, we didn't reach the heights of so-and-so game, but we were on that right track. Whereas, you know, what what is the best Hearts performance of this season? You're, you're probably struggling to to pick one where you went that whole 90 minutes. We just absolutely dominated and, and blew them out the water. And, we, have, we haven't done that for 90 minutes in any and game. I think that's, yeah, I think that's the sort of big talking point amongst fans is that you know we, we we have better players of 
than most of the other teams, which is why we're in that position. It's not so much down to Robbie or down to a style of play, and, and that's probably what's in the back of a lot of Hearts fans' head. But like Mark said, I, I would keep I would keep him until next season. But next season, if you have Europe, if you have you know a little bit extra money, he's he'll have more signings in the summer. I think that's when he's probably under a little bit more pressure to, to really stamp on his mark. And, and that's also probably the next step of, like we said, taking that club to the next level in terms of, right, we've got third, you know, semifinals of the cups. We want to be in finals. We want to be winning things. Who is going to take us to that next level to, to really push us closer to the old firm Mm -hmm. and sort of drag us away from the rest of them. Ryan, I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. Because this podcast, before you came on, right since the start, we've always said we would um, meet challenges head on, but we would try and provide a solution. Now, Aberdeen are trying to improve on what they had. They got rid of their manager, and whether it's Jim Goodwin or, or whoever, they're going to try and improve on, on what they had. That was a gamble that, that didn't work. You shouldn't get rid of a manager if you don't have an idea about a replacement already in mind. Now, it might not be what the fans want. Look at Dundee. <laughs> what a shit show that is! I thought you were going to say that <laughs> right now. So there's a lot to unpack it in in this one, and I want to go back to something I said earlier about the next five years. Let's take it a little bit more short termism than that, because in any walk of life, there's mailing it in, and I'm just I'm not talking football here. I'm just talking about getting by, mailing it in, knowing you're fine. And a lot of it's down to personal pride and, and wanting to be better. Now, if Robbie does the same five years in a row, I don't think he would sign up for that because he wants to be better personally and collectively year on year. And he's always learning. He says that. He's always finding ways to um, perhaps come up with ideas. Now, you could throw at him, is he too much of a, an overthinker? Um, I, there was an interesting piece in the evening news today about his press conference uh, today. And, and he was talking about not overthinking things and, and maybe being accused of that, but just doing things well. And he, he spoke about how, I think this is their first midweek where they've not played since uh, since the winter break. He also stressed that Hearts went into that winter break five points clear. They're now 10 points clear of the nearest challengers. So there isn't a right or a wrong answer to this. And everyone that's not happy with the way we're playing... You're totally right to be not happy because Hearts should be better than they've showed against Dundee. Hearts should be better than they showed against Livingston. That is not just us saying we're Hearts because that you, you can't just do that. That's arrogance. That's based on some of the performances we've had this season. It's a difficult one knowing that what we are and where we are right now, one win in five, is 10 points clear of a team who've got two wins in five. And they're the same number of points Dundee United as Motherwell, who haven't won in five. St Mirren have won four of their last five. Hibs haven't won any of their five. Neither have Aberdeen. So everybody else is slitting each other's throats, and we just need to have that consistency. I don't want to kind of say, look, if we could only win one, it would have been the Livingston game because we're through at the quarterfinals. I wanted to win both. Of course I did. But I'm glad, ultimately, that the one we did win, albeit on penalties, was against Livingston and not against Dundee, because it now gives us that chance. And both of you speaking about, well, if he if he wins the Cup or maybe reaches a final and finishes third, he's probably due another year. A, who else is out there right now? B, it shouldn't be a case of wait till you fire the manager to find out who else is out there. You should always be looking. It's like anyone who's in a job should always be aware of what other jobs are out there, regardless of whether you're happy or not, because you never know. And, and C, it shouldn't be dependent on Hearts reaching a cup or, or whatever, if, if you could guarantee money from a third-place finish, and Hearts, as we said, that, that Scottish Cup draw could not have been better for us. Celtic and Rangers kept apart. Hearts with a home tie against St Mirren and Motherwell against Hibs. Why Celtic and Rangers kept apart? Why is that a perfect tie? We mm-hmm. need either Celtic, Rangers or Hearts to win the Scottish Cup and then a third-place finish would secure a place in the group stage of at least the Conference League yeah. next season. So it means we're going to have to probably beat Celtic or Rangers. A Rangers side that's just beaten Borussia <clears throat> Dortmund 4-2 and a Celtic side that pumped Rangers 3-0. So it's going to be tough. But I think the bigger question is right now, how long do we wait, if you're Ann Budge in the board, before we contemplate 
offering Robbie Nielsen a new deal. Do we wait to see how this season goes, knowing that he's up next summer? Yes. You think we do, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Is it an incentivized contract whereby he's then financially rewarded for third place finishes and cup wins? Who knows if he, we don't know his, his, terms of his contract. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure he will be because it should be like a player's contract. But it, it's, a, it's a difficult one. It is a be careful what you wish for. Because I'll go back to something I said two or three weeks ago. I don't think we're any better than 65% of our capability right now. And that should be up to the manager and the players collectively to raise that percentage. Because I think we are better collectively as a squad than we're showing right now. And that was the first time, the first time that we lost back-to-back games because we bounced back the previous five defeats. Robbie said in that interview, the press conference, the media conference ahead of this weekend, you can judge us after a full week's training. Okay, there's no hiding place if there's a poor result against the side that's now bottom of the table this weekend. If these players don't come flying out the traps, but we know they're going to perform in one of the halves. We just don't know which bloody half it's going to be. <laughs> the summer signing from Queen of the South steps up. Big pressure penalty for delivery number six. Obelai. It's a very poor penalty in the end by Ayo Oberlai. Not what you expect from him. Gordon saves and Hearts progress to the quarterfinals. Okay, so let's have a little look and a talk about the game against Livingston. As Mark rightly said, the, the importance for uh, of the Cup this season is exaggerated even more than, than usual because if a team outside of the top two, so likely outside of Celtic Rangers, wins the cup. They are effectively guaranteed European group stage football. That's almost, if I think if someone wins the Champions League who's not in a Champions League place in their league, I believe that could impact things. That doesn't happen often though. So as things stand, it looks like... That'd be typical hearts. Yes, indeed. (laughs) But if that doesn't happen, it looks like what will happen is if you win the cup, you will go straight into the Europa League playoff round. So you win that, you're in the Europa League groups. If you lose it, you go straight into the group stage of the Europa Conference League. And that's worth about two points. So it's about three million Europa League group stages worth. If you drop into the conference, it's still worth about 2.7 million. And that's before the cash you get for each point you earn and before gate revenue. So... Obviously, it's a huge incentive there. If Celtic Rangers win the cup and finish first or second, as it looks like they're going to do, then third place gets that position. So that is that is massive for someone who does it. That's basically a guaranteed three million quid, effectively. And that's huge for a team like Hearts or Hibs or Aberdeen or, or Dundee United or Motherwell or any of these sites. You know, that's game-changing kind of money. Um, so that's why it's so important. And that's why Saturday's game against Livingston was extremely crucial for Hearts. They made three changes from the Dundee defeat. Taylor Moore, Peter Haring and Ellis Sims dropped out and in came Michael Smith, Cammy Devlin and Alex Cochran. Michael Smith, this was the big man uh, returning, the big player to return after missing four games. Against the Livingston side, who actually started 2022 pretty well. Four wins, a draw and two defeats from seven matches. A decent win against Aberdeen the week prior, and they also won at Easter Road a couple of weeks previous on their last visit to Edinburgh. Uh, that said, um, Hearts had only lost one of the last 13 against Livy in all competitions. We won't talk about the one defeat, though, because that was a <coughs> 5-0 loss in December 2018. Um, unbeaten in 15 home matches with Livingston, dating back to May 2002, when that was probably before even market started on on commentary maybe for Hearts. So, a long time ago. Um, in this game, Mark, Hearts started reasonably well. Open a few minutes, Michael Smith got involved, a few decent crosses. Bruce Anderson actually had a decent chance on the break for Livy. Very quickly, though, when the rain started to pour down, Livy, a very tough team to break down. It really, you could tell almost from the outset, that this was going to be a game 
that wasn't going to be good to watch and Hearts were probably going to be very frustrated and the Hearts fans were going to be equally frustrated. It was wet, yes. You, you mentioned that many times. This was one of these, and Ryan, I'm sure he would have played in many of these games that you kind of know, oh, geez, this is either going to be a piece of magic, unlikely, a mistake, possibly, or there's going to be nothing separating these two sides. And again, he, he went for Cochrane, he brought Devlin back in. I, I hope what Robbie said today, and we're recording this Thursday, about some players are, are being, um, they're, they're kind of, they're showing fatigue. But he was talking specifically about Beningame and Devlin. And he said, what they're trying to do with Beningame and Devlin, and they tried to do it in this Livy game, is you look at the formation on paper and you see kind of two holding midfielders. He wants one playing as a six and one playing closer to a 10 at times. There's going to be times when you're defending to have both uh, kind of protecting the, the three behind them. But he wants them more in tandem with one of them always being able to provide a kind of uh, some semblance of, of attack. Now, one of the criticisms from Malcolm earlier in, in, in the email and for many others is when you look at the lineup, okay, outfield, so you've got 10 outfield players, you see Kingsley, Suter, Sibic, Smith, Devlin, Beningamy, Cochrane, and Halliday. That's eight so-called, if you've got attacking and defensive, that's eight kind of defensive players. And I know Halliday was playing a little bit further forward. And you've only got Barry Mackay and Ellis Sims. So that's why he's looking for either Beningamy or Devlin, depending on where the ball is or where the players are, one of them to go and support the front three. So that's something he said they've worked on this week, and hopefully we'll see it. But it, they looked a leggy, tired, frustrated, run-out-of-ideas team against Livingston. And I'm really hopeful that a full week can kind of put that behind us. Because ultimately, I'm sure Ryan's played in many cup ties where his team's been on top and they haven't won. And I'm sure he's also played in, in games, certainly in that 2012 cup run, the game against, uh, was it St. Johnston, where we needed the, the Jamie Hamill late penalty. Arsenal yeah. played pretty poorly in a number of uh, games in cup ties and, and gone through and played well and not gone through. I know what I'd prefer. The outcome was great. We got through, but the game wasn't. Indeed. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little clip from um, almost a decade ago, actually, and it's uh, from a, another Hearts penalty shootout. Because I'm not going to speak much about the 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 normal time or the extra time in this one. But let's have a quick listen back to uh, October 2012 quarterfinal of the League Cup and a certain penalty kick. Handles the pressure. 2-2 in the shootout, sudden death now, you just can't afford to miss. It was coming to this, even at the start of the night, so evenly matched. Ryan McGowan, one of the Scottish Cup final heroes, will take Hearts first in sudden death, and scores it. Oh, and he enjoys it as well, look at the pressure released from his shoulders. That's clinical penalty, probably the best one of the night, just absolutely smashes it. Sends a goalkeeper the wrong way, he hooks it, goalkeeper dies left. So Ryan, that was you stepping up against Dundee United. Uh, Hearts progressed to the semi-finals thanks to a 5-4 shootout victory after the scores 1-1 in 90 minutes, an extra time. Uh, confident penalty, we'll, we'll get to the Hearts shootout in just a moment. Uh, wh what are these situations like as a player? It was never in doubt, was it, really? I think no, a lot more people... No. Very, very confident. <laughs> I, like, I like the little nod to the referee. Can I go? Yes. Yes, I can. Step up. Blast at home. No messing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm relatively confident on penalties, and I have no reason why I should be as confident as I am, as I've hardly taken too many. <laughs> but, um, yeah, similar. I think we spoke about it before, about hard penalty takers. You just need to be confident. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, and but you just—I just knew exactly where I was going to put it. I knew I was going to hit it well, and if the keeper saves it, then it would have been a really good save. And if it goes in, then that's exactly what you want. I think what fans get frustrated at is that you know the short run-ups or the sort mm. of trying to play mind games and side foot it to the other side, and it, it half looks great. But I think a lot of people, even when it goes in, is straight away they think. Or it's gonna that's gonna catch up with us at one point. Yeah, I just remember being a youngster at 
at Hartson doing penalties and we had Presley, Hartley, you know, like those players on reflection are some of the best penalty takers that Hearts have possibly had in a long, long time. And I remember Hartley just saying you need to strike the ball well and make sure it's on target. And and that sort of just stayed with me. And I think I've, I've got four and four or five and five penalty takes, but you just need to be confident in what you're doing. A lot of, a lot of these times these days even over here in Kuwait we a lot of we have a lot of cup comp- we have four cup competitions and a lot of them just go straight to penalties so we work on penalties um a lot and it's just repetition and, and just being confident in your technique and and making sure that you do hit it pretty sweetly when you when you connect with it it's interesting you you mentioned the, the run-ups because I know Jimmy although it helped us through he, he gets really annoyed and with certain things in Io Obalai who is actually Levy's penalty taker, but you can see Craig Gordon and Ross Stewart, and Paul Gallagher in in consultation about what to do in the penalty kicks, and obviously they'll have notes on players. And what Obalai likes to do is do that stuttering run up, and he waits for the keeper to move, and obviously the keeper goes starts to show to his left, put the penalty the other side, or vice versa. Obviously, Craig Gordon's done his homework there because Obalai does his run up, and Craig Gordon just waits because he's predicting he's going to roll it but not put yeah. much pace on it and not put it in the corner. And in the end, it's it's a terrible penalty because Craig Gordon basically just falls on the ball. That is the complete opposite of what you're saying, your approach and what people have told you is the approach to do in these kind of situations. Yeah, and it does come down to sort of personal choice. He obviously feels that's the best way for, for him to score a penalty and and so be it, that's what he thinks. But yeah, I, th- I, I think a lot of fans are, are just a lot more, if the keeper saves it, you can say, oh, it was right at him. But I think they just, they give you that little bit of benefit of a doubt because you've picked your side, you've you've given it a good hit and fair play to the keeper, he saved it. Whereas if he's trying to do those those mind game things, and I think a lot of Libby, Libby fans will be thinking, just go and hit it as hard as you can, pick a corner. If Craig Gordon saves it, fantastic save. Instead of letting him fall on the ball and it, you just look a little bit silly and I was going to touch on it because they brought on uh, a player right at the end. Uh, I forget his name. Sean to take that Kelly. Penalty. Sean Kelly, yeah. defender. To take a penalty. And I've worked under coaches, different coaches, and I'll put used to in, in the sort of coaching positions. So when it does go to extra time, you obviously need to put your, you speak to your players about what it's to do. Would you pick the five best players or who you think the five best penalty takers, having watched them in training and, and knowing them? Or would you let the players tell you I want to take a penalty players 100%. players I'd say players I, I think I, I would guess that the technique to hit a penalty is one thing but the, having the being in the right mindset and having the confidence to step up in that situation is is a whole other it's even I, I would imagine it's even a lot different than taking a penalty in a game a penalty shootout yeah yeah, I think so. And would you go your best first? Best within the first. Well, again, if, if you only leave it to five because you might not get to. Them. And that, that's yeah. the thing. So, again, it's David Moyes brought on Mark Noble. You boys. Well, but think of this: David Moyes brought on Mark Noble. I think it was earlier this season. Right at the end, he got a penalty right at the death, and he missed it. It was his yeah. only kick. He ran on, put the ball down. <laughs> missed the penalty and the final whistle went. So I think that's a lot of pressure as well, especially I, I, in the game. I think that's yeah. more, exactly. I agree. I think that's more pressure. I mean, you've got to know your players, and you, you've, you've got to know who can handle certain predicaments. But as far as the order is concerned, Stevie Nichol tells an interesting story about Ian Rush arguing with um, Graham Souness in the 1984 European Cup final in Rome against Roma. And the two of them, and back then it wasn't so much an order that you had to give to the referee. So it was Souness arguing with Rush, and Nichols like, fuck this, nicked the ball off them, and off he went, and became the first ever player to miss in a penalty shootout in a European Cup final. But all's well that ends well, um, because Grobelar and, and Liverpool came up with the goods. So... Stevie was full of confidence when he when he walked up. He said he didn't know any better. He was only 19 years old. Up he went, missed the penalty. He's like, oh shit, what did I just do? And Rush, meanwhile, and Sunes are like, what the hell did you just do? So at the order-wise, again, they could miss a couple. You don't need your fifth. 
or you could miss the first two, and then your fifth might not even come into it. So <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put my best one at the end. I wonder. I it, it's interesting, though. Here's here's something for you then, Mark. So um, Suter, Haring, Woodburn, Sims, four players for Hearts, two they all scored decent penalties. Liam Boyce may have been fifth. I don't know. Um, it, it's funny, though, because four decent penalties all scored. Liam Boyce has missed three penalties this season, so he was either not going to take one of the five mm-hmm. or he was the fifth penalty taker that ended up not being required. Is that... Mm-hmm. Is that... It just, it just the, struck look, me look as at interesting. The, uh, look at the 06 Cup final. I mean, Robbie took one, Stephen Presley, who was a Hearts penalty. because Hartley got sent off. <laughs> I know, but it still needs four others to, to take them. Uh, it, it, yeah, if you're the coach, right, and you, you're the one that introduced this, what's your take on this? Do you look around and say, Ooh, okay, but do you look for body language or do you just say, who's, who, who's, who's confident? Who fancies I, it? I would, I would go who's confident because... I've also played it in games where it's gone to a shootout. And when I was younger, I was always probably six, number six or seven. I probably wasn't in the top five, but I was I was relatively confident. But I it used to sometimes be like, I've maybe not had the best game. So I would have been going into that. It, it didn't get to me at that point. But then there's the Dundee United game where I thought I played pretty well and I was high as a kite, I was just so confident in that game that I was going to score that penalty. It wouldn't matter if I was taking one, five, or you need to score to to stay in the tie. So I would look for my senior players to, to take a step up. I always believe in that. I, I feel that you should, as a senior player in that dressing room, you should take on the role and responsibility before the younger players unless they are super confident. Because He's not going to be good at taking penalties as well. You can be the most confident player in the world, but if you're shit at penalties, you've got you've got to know your own ability as well. No, no yeah, for sure. But um, I I would I would still look to my my senior players that have been in and around the traps, and I and I thought Hearts did it perfectly. Like we said, we mentioned those those four players when you're watching that shootout. Not once did you go. Oh, as they were walking up, there wasn't anyone uh, that you would have been a bit like. Woodburn did. <laughs> when Woodburn did, yeah. I have to say I had a little True. look at Jimmy. Short, short run-ups as well. Ooh, one thing Tavernier did that earlier today for for Rangers, and he's missed his fair share as well. And I know that you talk about goalkeeper not getting much of a an idea of reading um, whether or not the ball is going to go left, right, or centre. But short run-up. Defenders taking penalties. I've kind of I'm past the whole. Oh, it's the defender taking penalties because a lot of them take a better penalty than forwards. And you've got to credit yeah. John Suter with with the situation he's been in and the some of the obviously the stick he's got to step up first player. I think that says sure. a lot about where he's at mentality wise just now. Step up, dispatches penalty because that kind of sets the tone that first taker. Yeah, but, but yeah. And by the, yeah, like I said, yeah, that's it. That's an experienced player saying, I'll take it and I'll show you how we're doing it and just cool everyone's nerves a, t- a tiny touch. There's nothing worse than missing that first penalty and, and you're up against it. So, yeah, I think um, John Suter these last couple of weeks has really handled himself um, admirably and, and, and probably won back a lot of the sort of Hearts fans that were maybe anti him staying. I, I think you do see the importance of, of having a player of his calibre and and also, it shows you a little bit of the character that he's probably in within that dressing room. I don't think, Laurie, you can underestimate the importance of Hearts winning that game, that shootout, but the shootout especially. Can you imagine? We spoke about this last week, and I'm glad we we did what we did when we did it, our podcast. It was on the back of the Rangers game, and it was like ripping off the bandages, bandage, as you quite rightly said. And I think I'd said a comment about, God, if we lose to Dundee and get knocked out of the cup by Livingston, this place will be vicious next week. A friend of mine is a Rangers fan, and he messaged, if you'd lost that, that was your season over. And I know we're third, but I know what, I know what he means. Because you're 10 points clear in third. You could easily capitulate if you get knocked out of the cup. I think that penalty shootout was absolutely massive in terms of what could have been at stake. The comparison with winning... And losing. That was massive. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree.
I'll quickly go to the, another email that we received. So um, this one is from Martin, who says, um, each week I listen to your pod and Mark talks about social media and the voice it gives people. In the wake of Dundee and Livingston, the Hearts Facebook pages are nothing short of poisonous. The Nielsen outbrigade refused to accept anyone with a different opinion to them. You're accused of being a happy clapper. You point out, despite the last few weeks, which haven't been great, but we still we sit in a cup quarter final and 10 points clear in third. I am... Um, I'm, I'm not Nielsen's number one fan, but for goodness sake, last time he left, look where we ended up. I actually saw one of the Nielsen Out Brigade calling for Stendhal to come back. Boyce also seems to get in the neck from these guys. Boyce out, uh, out of form and coming back from injury, but still on 10 goals. These guys argue that Walker should have been kept and Boyce still sold. It's utterly poisonous and I think Nielsen will never be accepted by these guys. You could finish third and win the cup and the Nielsen out brigade would still be out. Football um, is, of course, about opinions, but this sector of our support, either through stupidity or ignorance, refused to acknowledge someone would dare to have a different opinion to them. These are the same guys who threatened to cancel Foundation of Hearts pledges after a bad result. Definitely need to re- remove myself from Hearts social media um, thoughts. And that's that's Martin. Ryan, is, <laughs> is, is social media one of these? It kind of just exaggerates the negative element they'll probably always be there with every club regardless of what's going on is it sometimes is it sometimes give an unfair reflection maybe on a a general feeling or is it sometimes that's it's it is what the uh, the general feeling is like hearts and any other club oh it it's difficult sometimes i get tweets and and you go onto their profile and they've just they're tweeting that to everybody you know, other times it's constructive tweets where you, where you think, yeah, he's probably got a fair point. I was shite today, but <laughs> you do need to take it into balance. And you don't need I, to be I'm told if you were if you were shite, you don't need someone else to tell you that you were shite. You kind of know that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I sometimes just think players are they just need to get a grip of a better better term. It, you know, if you've not played well and you've lost. Don't go onto Twitter and think that everybody's going to be saying, oh, unlucky, buddy, you did well, you tried hard. You're not going to get that, are you? <laughs> so don't go on it and go, oh, that bad man over there said I was shit and he said something about this and that and start nibbling back. I, 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 I don't get it. I think when you, when you lose those games or you've had a shit performance, you just need to accept it and own it because you know you've had a shit performance and i think most of it for players is is frustration you know you shouldn't be speaking to me like that or you know there should be rules and regulations on twitter and but it's just part of the world these days don't get so caught up on it if a player if a guy says to you you're the best player in the world you don't walk around saying that you're better than ronaldo and messi it gives you a little bit of a boost but also at the same time you go on his profile and he said that to the other seven of your teammates so just keep everything in the little bit of comparison and stop harping on the social media is blown out of control use it for for what you want to use it in and let a lot of things go everyone's just so caught up in it here's an analogy for you to do with hearts facebook fans pages think of a person with 99 percent flawless skin the facebook page is a magnifying glass that focuses on the 1% that is a huge fucking ugly boil sitting right beside some flawless, beautiful, perfect skin. What are you going to talk about on that Hearts Facebook page? Are you going to talk about the beautiful, flawless, perfect skin of which the magnifying glass has picked up a little glimpse of? Or are you going to go straight into that big, ugly bastard of a boil and just go after it. Come on. You're going after the boil. So what do you do? You come out of it. You come out of the group. Leave them there. They then become voices just shouting into the ether. And other people that shout into the ether are listening to them. Yeah! Let's shite get him out! Just unsubscribe. It's not difficult. And I'll play devil's advocate with myself because I stayed in that. But there's a couple of groups, but one I came out of because it was just constant. Can't believe we only won 3-0. Bloody hell. Should have been six. Should have been seven. He should... Come on. Just... You're not doing yourself any good. And I've... As, as Martin that, that sent that email, 
was saying, I, I do mention it a lot. And I, I think when you have a go at someone, you've got to look inwards, first of all. And we all have flaws, some more than others. And one of my big flaws was the temptation just to see what was being said. Why? What's the best that can happen compared to what's the worst that can happen? If I've done a commentary of a game that I think people are actually watching for a change, I'll stay off it for a few hours. Got no real interest. I'm not fussed for any praise if it comes or abuse. I don't need the abuse. I'd rather spend time with my three-year-old daughter than, I mean, one of my flaws is sitting on Instagram looking at other people and how they're doing with their kids when my kid's looking for attention with me. I get that. I'm aware that that's a flaw of mine and I'm trying to get better at it. But without social media, it's, it's got its positives. 100% it's got its positives. But as Ryan said, you can't take the praise from someone and not take the criticism. You either take both or you take none at all. Social media, discuss. Let's, let's not discuss too much more. Let's, let's move on. Right, uh, move on from, from talking about the 1%. It's not the 1% I always thought of, but there we go. The 1%, the boil, apparently. Uh, <laughs> we'll look ahead to St. Johnston against Hearts this weekend. Can we call uh, it the Martin? <laughs> the Martin, okay, very good. Well done. Maybe, I'll think about it. Wow, so dismissive. So, I'm never coming on this podcast again. So before uh, we ended the last podcast, we spoke about Hearts going up against bottom of the league. And they're going up against bottom of the league again. Only this time, <laughs> only this time it's St. Johnston. And um, this week, we're 10 years now since Hearts last emerged victorious. You, you, I'm not game. saying you love that stat, but honestly... It's about time that the next time we played St. Johnston at McDermott Park, you're not able to say that, because finally we got the win. Well, I hope so. Uh, Valentine's Day 2012, Paolo Sergio's heart side um, went in the Scottish Cup after a replay. It's been so long that Ryan McGowan was playing for us last time we bloody won at McDermott Park. The last time he started a game. Since then, I don't know if he started (laughs) that game. Since then, 14 games we've... I didn't start the game. No, I didn't think I did. You came on and changed the game. The more things change, the more they stay the same. We've not won. We've drawn seven. We've lost seven. Um, our last league win was actually 2010. So that's even longer did ago. We, did we have a 3 all in that run? Or was that before? Sure that was, was, af- that was after. That was when we were in administration. I was commentating on that game with Mark Ridgers. Yeah, we were 3-1 down. And then that was the game with right. uh, three red cards. That's right. Yeah. Ryan Stevenson um, squaring up with Alan Manis. And then... Yep. Uh, Tam Scobie had to go in goals because Manus got sent off and Danny Wilson scored an injury time to make it three apiece. Anyway, why are we so bad in McDermott Park, Ryan McGowan? <laughs> what what was the magic that you had back then that no one has been able to replicate since? Well, I, I have no idea. It is a difficult place to play because... Not for 10 years? Oh, yeah, not getting... Yeah. There's plenty of games that we should have won and it just <laughs> I don't know. It's, sure it's, again, one. it goes down to, it goes down to, to mindset, I think. You know, we were lucky. I think that was the cup game, wasn't it, which got us into yeah, yeah. the semi finals. Yeah, played terribly as well for most of that game in ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, but Saint Johnson were not bad back then. They were they were a relatively good team back then, I'm pretty sure it was. Um so I mean, they were yeah, older than cup this year. Double winners last year, so they've they've been decent yeah. pretty recently. But um, yeah, I, I just think it will be down to Hearts again. I don't want to keep going on about this sort of mindset, but they should really be going into this game on the back of the performances that they've had. What Robbie said is, you know, the, the training schedule, which which is true. You know, when you do go from sort of game recovery, game recovery, game recovery, training does get lost in that, and sometimes. In turn, messages can get lost. Players' fitness can drop if they've not been playing. You know, those sort of top-up sessions that, that he's spoken about can can vary because someone's got a yellow or someone's suspended, so that player doesn't get a big of a top-up session after the game because he's going to be playing at the weekend. It, he is setting it up as a must-win in terms of if he doesn't, then there's going to be a lot of questions asked towards Robbie and his coaching staff and the microscope over the players' performances because 
they don't have any excuses going into the weekend um, at all. So it, it is going to have to be a, a fast start. And, you know, having played for teams that have been down that end of the table and, and have been struggling, the, the start of that game is so important. If you can see the first goal, it's just like deja vu. It's not going to be our day. And it's it just gives you that uphill battle of, you know, you're going into that game thinking we'll probably take a draw or we can nick a 1-0 win. As soon as you concede, you're thinking we've hardly scored any goals this season. Now we're going to have to turn it around and score two in the game. It, it just deflates that other team and, and Hearts really need to, to start well at the weekend. Mark, uh, St. Johnston struggling this season. Uh, bottom of the league just now. Drew with Aberdeen this week in the build-up to the game, but they a bit of an injury crisis potentially. Callum Davidson lost Xander Clark, Melker Hal, Halberg and Callum Hendry to injuries against Aberdeen on Tuesday night. Uh, you feel this is a game where Hearts need to set the tempo and in some ways, will it potentially suit them that they're away from home here? There's been a bit of pressure at Tynecastle. There'll be a decent away following here. St Johnston won't be able to go into this game and just completely sit back. They need they need results. They need wins as much as Hearts do. And will that possibly suit Hearts just now? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it will. Because the last thing you're talking about, it's, it's like a broken record. How many times have, have the three of us spoken about, we've got to start quick and a lot of the time we've started quick, but it's been the second half when we're either a goal down or we've struggled in the first half. And you wouldn't get away with that for 10 minutes, let alone 20 or 30 at Tynecastle against the side at the bottom of the table. So, yeah, I, I think it's similar to a game we played against Dundee back in December that you saw 77 minutes of before the fog really descended onto the Dens Park pitch. And it's one of these that I'd be disappointed if we don't get three points from this game, especially and when I saw the players that, that went off. They're all decent and key players for St. Johnston. Uh, Hendry kind of led the line, Xander Clark, good goalkeeper. Um, Halberg is kind of the holder, the conductor of the orchestra in, in midfield. They, they're big players for St. Johnston. And I don't know if any of them are going to be available or all of them are going to be available. Why are we worrying about St. Johnston? We, we should go there. We should play our own game. And this is one that I'm really interested to see our performance. Because talk is cheap if it's not backed up with evidence. Robbie can say whatever he likes at the press conference today about having a week to work on things and the players have managed to rest and, and recover. Okay, you've set it up nicely. Now go and perform on Saturday. Okay, I've got three questions for each of you. So, first a question. Quiz? quiz? No, 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 no quiz, sorry. Maybe next week. Um, do, you play, <laughs> do you play Sims? Do you play Boyce? Or do you play both? That's one question. Um, what's the score going to be? Who's going to score? Ryan first. Both. Sims, Sims, Boyce, or both? Both. Both. Okay. Fucking what's the right score going to be? What's the score going to be, and who's going to score? Two nil. Sims and oh, both scorers. Suda. I'm going Suda. Okay. Sim and Suda. Mark Sims, Boyce, or both? I play both in a four four two. Okay. One nil. And Barry Mackay scores the winner. Oh, he's going to have to score at some point. Okay. You? I'd play just Sims. And okay, so, so so who who are you playing? Are you playing the 3-4-3? Three, three? Are you playing two up top? I'm what, playing, what are you doing? And who are you playing instead of, uh, of Boyce? I'm playing Ginelli instead of Boyce. I think he's worked... At, Two of his best games have been against St. Johnson this season, playing in behind with his pace. So I'll play Janelli and Barry Mackay off um, Sims. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two nil hearts. So I'm gonna go Sims oh, and Mackay. Sims and Mackay. I have to go. I have to go. Mackay's gonna score at some point. But I think Janelli could have a could have an impact and could play a part. He's he obviously scored his two goals at Tynecastle against them. He scored the one goal and the one one draw. I think his pace in behind might be useful. So that's what I'm going with. Are you playing Gary McKay Steven at left wing back? No. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> Robbie Nielsen might, but I would. <laughs> I read that. I'm like, oh, okay. Fine. No, I'm, I'm absolutely. I'm fine with, with Cochrane at left wing back. Um, Halliday's actually 
done a reasonable job recently. Kingsley could do a job that I, I, I think Gary McIsaven would be my fourth choice at left wing back. In all honesty, but <laughs> behind Tosh I, McKinley, <laughs> okay, fifth choice then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but they, I'm I'm not the manager, so there we go. We'll see what happens. Where, where are you playing, Michael Smith? By the way, both of you. Where, where's Michael Smith playing? I <laughs> oh, right back. I quite like him at right wing back, and he. I quite like when he roams a little bit. Um, I, I, I just wonder if we're playing him as a centre back and putting Atkinson in there, and because we, we're just we, there's something missing at the back right now without Halkett. And for me, he's a steadying influence. And I, I love Michael Smith. I love the way he plays, all action and whatever. I just feel we need a bit of composure. So it's Suter and Smith as my centre backs. Kingsley as my right back, Atkinson as my left. Uh, Kingsley is my left. Yeah, back you're Atkinson playing. You're playing a four, so maybe, maybe, maybe different. I don't know. I'd, I'd play him either position. To be fair, he's very okay. versatile. But we shall see. Aye. We shall see if Hearts can return to winning ways. Uh, big match against St Johnson at McDermott Park. We'll be back next week to discuss the fallout from that. Hopefully, it's a it's a positive reaction, and we can be chuffed and, and pleased with ourselves next time out. Before, and before we go, before you, you say farewell to, to everyone, yep. we're recording on Thursday, uh, the 17th of February, and 40 years ago today, mm. a young kid came on to the park at Tynecastle Park to replace Jerry McCoy. That young kid's name was John Robertson. And he did all, did all right, right for us. Did all right, didn't he? What a player. Not bad. What a player. And uh, also worth mentioning before we go, um, obviously, congratulations not just to the Hearts men's team for reaching the Scottish Cup quarterfinals, but also to the Hearts women's team yep. who defeated Dundee United to get to the last eight. Um, and to our sponsored player, Charlotte Parker Smith, who made her 50th appearance for the club in that victory over Dundee United and Hearts. Go on, Charlotte. Have, yes, oh, indeed. And Hearts have been drawn at home against SWPL two-side Kilmarnock in the quarterfinals. So we'll have the men's team weekend of the 12th of March in the quarterfinals and the women's team um, on or around Sunday the April the 3rd in the quarterfinals of the women's competition. So all systems go on both fronts. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Goodbye. Kiss me once, then kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. It's been a long, long time. Haven't felt like this, my dear, since can't remember when. It's been a long, long time. You'll never know how many dreams I Just how empty they all seemed without you So kiss me once, then kiss me twice Kiss me once again, it's been a long